you that you made a way. I thank you that you sent your son to us who showed us the way, who became the sacrifice for us, who died on that cross so that we may have life with you eternal. And from there, he opened up. He opened up that veil where we were, we were strangers and we were not allowed to enter in. Jesus Christ, through his blood, opened the way to us. So now, Holy Spirit, you indwell in us, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now we're going to transition into a time of communion. Those that have been asked to serve, if you could please come on and step forward. As they're coming forward, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, people were coming to communion. They were acting like it was a dinner at their best friend's house. They were arguing and they were fighting. And Paul come to tell them what communion really was and how the proper way to take communion. And one of the things he tells us in 1 Corinthians was examine ourselves. Examine ourselves so that we will be, know that we are worthy. Because Paul said, if we're not worthy, if we're coming and we're taking communion in an unworthy manner, then we're eating and drinking curses upon ourselves. Communion is an ordinance that was given by God and it never ends. It is ongoing, but it's serious, people. It's not just something we do. Some people do it once a month. Some people do it once a quarter. Some people do it every Sunday. It's not just coming to get a cup, eating a wafer, drinking some juice, and then we're good. We did our action. It's so much more, so much more than just walking forward and taking the cup. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this. Do what? Take communion. Celebrate what he has done for us and do this in remembrance of what I've done for you. So as is a custom here at our church, if you would, if you will step out to your left, if you will come, there are uh, servants here in the front. If you will get your communion elements and go back to your seat and stay, remain standing and we're going to share together.
When you get back to your seat, there is a cellophane or a small layer on top that you can pull back to obtain the wafer. If you'll go ahead and take that out. If you'll hold it up, Scripture tells us on the night that he was betrayed, he was gathered with the disciples, and he was about to do what? Go to the cross, right? Actually, before that, he was about to be betrayed. Jesus took the bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it. And he told them to take and eat. That this bread symbolized my body broken for you. So let's break and eat. same night Jesus took the cup and he told them this cup is the new covenant of my blood shed for you do this in remembrance of me let us drink amen so it's more than remembering people Yes, we remember he died on the cross and he rose for us. But this is also us saying, God, I submit my life to you. I am trusting in you. So as we do this, remember. an awesome opportunity we have just to be in the presence of God Almighty, and I thank Him for that. And we are going to just continue. We're going to get ready to give back a portion of what God has given us. And when you say this scripture, y'all don't just say it. 
Think about what you're saying. Let it get into your heart. This is a powerful scripture. But this I say, y'all can repeat with me, please. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. You can come up and give. Good morning, everybody. Quick announcement, there will not be children's church today. So FYI, your kiddos will be in here with us today, which we love because we're a family church. It's always great to have the kids with us to hear the word of God and consume it together as a family. But before we get into the word today, we got a few quick announcements. Everybody, let's hear it for Nicholas. So this Saturday uh, at 9 to I forget, 12... We have a car wash here. Uh, we're going to uh, donations only. We're saving up money to go to Accelerant. All the times I've been, it's been fun. Everybody gets to know each other. All the every time we go, I've learned something new, and it's just a fun time to be there. Get to know everybody. Get to know everybody in the youth room. Also, get to know more about God and how it can help us further into our future. So this Saturday. 9 to 12, uh, donations only. Thank you, Nicholas. One more time, this Saturday, so if you are free this upcoming Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to noon, we are doing a car wash, uh, donations only, and they are raising money for our Accelerant trip that we take every uh, January, and this past year was my first year as a chaperone. I went a couple times when I was in youth myself. But this past time, it was awesome just to see how the kids grew and grew with one another. Now, Miss Chrissy is going to come make an announcement. Let's hear it from Miss Chrissy. Hey, I have two announcements. First of all, today, right after our church gathering, we have a first touch meeting here in the sanctuary. If you guys could stick around for just a little while, it will be a really brief meeting for all current volunteers and anybody interested in serving in first touch moving forward. And then on July 16th, we have an appreciation brunch for nursery volunteers. It's at 10 a.m. in the church kitchen. We're going to have some great food, some juice, 
and we just want to show our appreciation for all current volunteers, but we also want to make sure that we're sharing all of our upcoming plans that we're really excited for and making sure that everybody's on the same page going forward with nursery. So anybody that's interested in volunteering in the nursery is also welcome to come. So please come out on July 16th at 10 a.m. in the church kitchen. Thank you, guys. Awesome. Thank you, Miss Chrissy. Once again, First Touch, right after service, those of you who are currently serving or are interested, if you don't know what First Touch is, you're like, what in the world is that? That's just our welcoming ministry that welcomes you at the door, opens the door for you with a smile and a good morning. So that is today right after service. So if you can just hang around, that would be awesome. We would appreciate it. All right. Are we online? Yes. All right. Everyone in-house say good morning to everyone online. And good morning to all of you in-house. It is great to see you guys. If you do not know me, my name is Josiah Hodge. I am the lead pastor and lead servant here, and it is an honor to have you with us. Do we not have some awesome servants in this house? Was it not cool to see so many people? Yeah, I, I get tired of hearing my own voice sometimes, so it was refreshing for me to see so many different faces up here today with the mic, because I'm not the only representation of this body. You all are representations of this body. While my calling may be to be the one who does the majority of the teaching and preaching, we are all the body of Christ, created in the image of Christ to bear his image as his body to the world. And so it was awesome for me today. I think this is going to be a regular thing for us here on out just to see so many faces of crossroads. Real quick, once again, we are going to have a baptismal service next month. Um, it all depends on when uh, my baby is coming, because the baby could come anywhere in the next couple of weeks. So depending on when Emmett gets here, uh, that is when we will schedule for the next couple following weeks. So hopefully that will be by the third weekend of August that we can have our baptismal service. The last one was amazing. Some of you took part in that, and it was awesome. Uh, secondly, our Seawalk Culture class will be taking place in September. That's for anyone who is interested in becoming a member of this body. Okay, it's not, not, not membership as in like Sam's Club, right? A member of the body of Christ here at Crossroads World Outreach Center. And so if you are interested in becoming a member of this body of Christ, well then that will be taking place in September and I'm really excited about that. As I'm putting together some stuff, I feel like the Holy Spirit is telling me that people need to know about this church. Who are we? What is our culture? What is our DNA here? And everyone who knows this knows, number one, it's serving. We're a church that serves. That's what we do. That's who we are. We're the hands and feet of Jesus. And we take pride in that. Humble servants of Christ. But will you please stand with me this morning? Get your Bibles ready. As you see, our passage today is 2 Corinthians chapter. 3 verses 4 through 18. And we're going to pray and then we are going to read that passage together. All right. Father God, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this time together to gather in your name, to gather as your sons and daughters, as co heirs with Christ. And Father, we just thank you for your son. We thank you that your son came, lived the perfect life, died the perfect death, rose three days later, and now we can walk in the freedom and newness of life that he died for with your Holy Spirit living inside of us. And so, Holy Spirit, today I just pray you speak through me. I don't want to say anything if it's not you. I don't want to mention anything if it's not you speaking through me, Holy Spirit. So today, just sustain us, lead us, guide us, give us deeper revelation, Holy Spirit. 
soften hearts, soften minds, unclog ears to hear the revelation of the Holy Spirit for us to step into a new season that you are calling us to. A season that is mysterious in a lot of ways because I believe it's a different place than we've ever been before. So Holy Spirit, I just pray that we trust you in all things as you guide us and lead us into all truth. In your mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Now the version I'm going to read from is the Christian Standard Bible. Let's start in verse 4. Such is the confidence we have through Christ before God. It is not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. He has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now, if the ministry that brought death, chiseled in letters on stones, came with glory so the Israelites were not able to gaze steadily at Moses' face because of its glory, which was set aside, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry that brought condemnation had a glory, the ministry that brings righteousness overflows with even more glory. In fact, what had been glorious is not glorious now by comparison because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was set aside was glorious, what endures will be even more glorious. Since then, we have such a hope. We act with great boldness. We are not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face to present the Israelites from gazing steadily until the end of the glory what was, that was being set aside. But their minds were hardened, for to this day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains. It is not lifted because it is set aside only in Christ. Yet still today, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. Speak to our hearts today. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Once again, good morning, everybody. Um, I told you the Holy Spirit had been laying on my heart to speak about the new covenant and for us to take a journey into the new covenant. Last week, we spoke about the law of liberty. I'm not following the law of the flesh, which leads us into a lifestyle that says we can do anything and grace just covers so we can do whatever we want and not to follow the, the flesh into a lifestyle of religion, into the religious cycle where we get stuck doing everything and never being the son and daughter that we were called to be. And today we're going to talk about the new covenant. I had a plan per usual, and we were going to talk about the differences between the old and the new, but I read this passage last night, and the Holy Spirit was just jumping all inside of me, and this passage got me really excited. So if I'm a little excited today, just bear me, bear with me, because there's something so beautiful in this passage that we are going to dig in today. And I'm currently in a season, as I told you, my sole desire is keeping in step with the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, letting the Holy Spirit teach me deeper revelation in my soul of what it means to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
that profound revelation in the Bible that we see, oftentimes we understand it here, but we don't often understand it in our very beings. And so I'm learning to be the temple, not just to understand I am a temple. So in this season, I'm learning things and the Holy Spirit's changing my thinking and he's changing uh, understandings I had in the past. And for someone who went to Bible college, I have two degrees and the Holy Spirit has shown me things that those degrees never could. So in this season, the Holy Spirit, I believe, is leading us into a new place and he's correcting wrong mindsets. He's correcting wrong presuppositions, wrong behaviors, wrong emotions. I'm going to tell you what, the past two weeks for me have been chaos. And I believe the the reason is is because I prayed that the Holy Spirit would give me supernatural peace, supernatural joy, and supernatural patience. You don't get anything supernatural unless you go through the storm first. And so I prayed for this, and I have to remind myself when I'm facing these things. But what is beautiful about this, that even my wife was, was just bewildered by this, we had a hot mess of a day yesterday traveling back from Alabama. And she said, Josiah, two months ago, you would have been raging, you would have been angry, you would have been mad. And that's how I know the Holy Spirit is working in my heart. I had perfect peace all day smiling. I had joy and I had patience through it all. And so I know the Holy Spirit is leading us into a place of supernatural understanding of the spiritual gifts. And so my whole understanding of supernatural is changing. It's not simply miracles and wonders. No, it's the fruit of the Spirit manifesting itself, us becoming the new creation that Christ Jesus died for. That is supernatural. So in this season, the Lord is changing me and he's humbling me. I didn't realize how prideful I was until the Holy Spirit got a hold of my heart and started changing a lot of my thinking. He stretched me and he's pruned me. And the beautiful thing about the new covenant is that it takes us a place we're not familiar with. We, at least in the Bible Belt, in the South, the majority of us have grown up in church. We have some type of church understanding and background. And so what happens is we are raised in religion. We are taught religion. We are taught how to please God whatever that means, because last time I checked, the Bible said it's only through Christ Jesus that we can please God through his sacrifice. And so we're taught in this religion of the way we have to be, the way we have to act. But what I'm finding is those are just stumbling blocks to actually get to Jesus. So I didn't think I was worthy enough to enter the presence of God unless I read this many chapters. I didn't think I was worthy enough to enter the presence of God unless I prayed this much or unless I did my devotion every morning. I didn't feel worthy enough, but I'm learning in the new covenant, there is nothing I can do to be worthy. It's all through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. And so it's through the simple gospel that Christ died for our sins that we're even able to be worthy before a holy God. So the new covenant is taking me to a place of freedom because that was the whole point. Jesus did not come to propagate a religion. He came to set the captives free. Religion has held us in captivity much longer than sin has for a lot of us. So we find ourselves not even being able to follow Jesus because we didn't follow the right rules to get there. So the new covenant, what I'm finding is that it sets you free from these things you've been struggling with for years. The reason majority of us are stuck in a sin cycle is because we mix the old covenant with the new covenant. And true freedom is only found in the new covenant, not a mixture. The new covenant is pure. The blood of Christ cleanses all things. The new covenant can't stand where the blood of Christ cleansed it. It's not a mixture. It's pure. It's by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I believe that there are two main reasons, two main reasons we are so stuck mixing the new covenant 
and the old covenant in the modern church. This is what I believe. There are two main reasons. Number one, I believe we genuinely have no idea how to follow the Holy Spirit. We've had teaching after teaching after teaching, but who has shown us how to follow? Showing up for one hour on a Sunday morning does not show you how to follow the Holy Spirit. Why? Because you get it here, but rarely does it get here. And so, y'all, I'm telling you, the past couple weeks, I have read my Bible less but been closer with the Spirit than I ever have been in my life because I've removed all these rules I heaped upon myself. Nowhere in the Bible do you find these rules I put on myself. But in religion, you find the rules. But in Jesus, you find relationship. And so I have learned just to walk and be in Christ Jesus. Just to, just to be in Christ Jesus. Just to be a son. I did not earn my sonship. Christ died and gave me my sonship. So I cannot earn anything from Jesus. Religion tells you do, 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 do. Jesus tells you be, 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 and receive. So there's a place of freedom that I told you last week. I feel like Paul sometimes. I would give up my freedom if you could be free. If this revelation could get into your spirit to set you free. Because the fact of the matter is, as a believer, you do not have to struggle. I'm not saying life won't be hard. But I'm saying the supernatural fruit inside of you can sustain you. There's a peace that surpasses all understanding. Can I tell you, when you try to create peace yourself, you're going to be even more stressed. Because the only thing you can actually control is your own reactions. So if you try to manufacture peace, guess what you're going to be? You are going to be stressed. If you try to manufacture patience, guess what you're not going to be? Patient. If you try to manufacture joy, you're going to go to the world and you are going to find depression. But in the Spirit, we are sustained by the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit are given by who? The Spirit. I cannot manufacture supernatural things. It's all by His Spirit. He's a supernatural Holy Spirit. I believe a lot of us haven't necessarily been taught correctly in a lot of different ways. We in American culture love to just explain everything. We want to open the Bible. We want to explain every single little thing down to the tiniest little dot. Instead of ringing it and saying, Holy Spirit, just give me deeper revelation. Because I know a lot here and it led me to misery and despair. Until I learned it here, I didn't have freedom. So even as your pastor, when I became your pastor, I was living in bondage to a lot of things. But it wasn't until the Holy Spirit led me into rest. And listen, this is why there are so many inconsistencies in the life of so many believers. Because we find ourselves in the new covenant, and then we run back to the old covenant. And there's a mixture. So you have seasons of freedom, but guess what happens? You run back to that season of bondage. Why? Because only the new covenant alone can set you free. Only through the Holy Spirit can you be free. Why? Because only by the Holy Spirit can you be made new. Reason number two is this. I think it's a lot easier to read and fantasize about the Old Testament than it is to live here and now. I believe it's a lot easier to read the Old Testament. Oh, David slayed Goliath. Yes, but David, nor Samuel, nor Samson are going to come back and fight your battles. The Holy Spirit wants to do something in you now. It's easy to fantasize about the past when the future is hard. So oftentimes the church, instead of stepping up and being who we were made to be, you understand the church is supposed to be a giant in society? We're supposed to be showing the love of Christ to every single person, but instead of being who we were meant to be, we are living in days gone past. 
We got preachers stuck in the Old Testament preaching about, oh, David, oh, David. I'm just saying Jesus, 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 because David never set anybody free. Moses, we... Stop cheating on Jesus with Moses. Get out of the old covenant. I understand Jesus saw some, I mean, I understand Moses saw some cool stuff. Moses saw pillars of fire. But did you know he was terrified to enter the presence of God? Through Jesus Christ, we can enter freely into the presence of Jesus Christ. So we are so stuck here, we have not learned how to be fully in the new covenant. And it's driving me crazy because I think almost every pastor wants to find the cool stories in the Old Testament. Freedom is not found there. Samson slaying a thousand people with, with a donkey bone is not going to free you from your present sin. These Old Testament men are not going to take you. The whole Bible points to who? Jesus. From beginning to the end, everything points to the, to the redemption story of Jesus Christ. Why we needed Jesus and why he had to come. The Old Testament, I need you to hear this, is descriptive, not prescriptive. The Old Testament is descriptive, not prescriptive. What does that mean? The Old Testament can tell you the story of why Jesus had to come. The New Testament is what you apply to your life. Do we understand this? We are so busy looking to the prophets of old, looking to these wonders and miracles. The Holy Spirit wants to do something inside of us now. We're stuck in times gone past. The Old Testament is not going to save you. The crazy thing is the Old Testament couldn't save anybody. The law could not save anyone. Scripture tells us the letter brought death, but the Spirit brings life. The reason there are so many dead people sitting in churches is because we're stuck in the letter. We have not allowed the Holy Spirit to set us free. The time for glory is now not in the past. I get so tired of hearing Christians talk, oh, I wish I could see that. I wish I could see that. Did you know Jesus wants to do something in you right now in this moment? You struggle with hate, guess what he wants to give you? Supernatural love. You have no peace, he wants to give you supernatural peace. To me, that is a miracle. It is a miracle for me to see someone who used to walk in bitterness now have true peace and joy. That is a miracle. Yes, I want to see Brother Joe Grenade walk. I would love to see that. But it's just a miracle to me to see someone who used to be racist now walking in love for all people. To me, that's a miracle. Only through the Holy Spirit can we get there. We have to redefine our, even our conception of what it means for miracles and wonders in Christ. Hebrews chapter 8 verses 6 through 7 say this. But now he has obtained, this is Jesus, a more excellent ministry, inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. I love how it says better covenant on better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. What does that tell us? The old covenant, that was not always meant to stand. Jesus was always the plan to fulfill it and bring something better. It says a better covenant on better promises. Who wants better promises? We are stuck claiming the promises of the Old Testament when there are better ones waiting for us. Oh my God. The New Testament gets me excited. Hebrews 8.13. And that he says a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Everything in the Old Testament was fulfilled by Jesus. What does that mean? That means there is a new covenant here. A new covenant of freedom, a new covenant of forgiveness. It is here 
waiting for us. And today, when we take a deeper look into this passage, my prayer is that there's a deeper revelation of the Spirit inside of us to set us free from old ways of thinking, to set us free from old religions, from old traditions. I'm not saying there's not rules to this, but the Holy Spirit wrote those rules on your heart. It's no longer on tablets, but it's on the heart. The Holy Spirit came to write the perfect law on your heart. This is why people overseas who have no Bibles probably follow the Holy Spirit better than we do. Why? Because they are fully reliant on the Spirit of God, not on their religion on Sunday mornings. And so my prayer is that we have a deeper revelation that when Crossroads, the body, leaves this building, because this is not the church, when we leave this building, we take this revelation to the world and we are light bearers in a world of darkness. That we shine bright, like Jesus said, lights in the darkness, shining bright, not covering ourselves because you don't put a shade over a lamp, but you let yourself shine brightly. That is my hope for today. But we're going to break this passage into three different sections. Um, I'm not doing as extensive PowerPoints as I used to do because I don't want you to be so focused on gaining knowledge here. I want you just to delve into these passages yourself. I pray that this week you spend all your time in this passage. Let it do something in you. Don't get bored of the word of God, but pray for deeper revelation every single time you read it. Let's look at verses 4 through 6. Ministers of the new covenant. Such is the confidence we have through Christ before God. It is not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. He has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Number four, what's our confidence? Is that His Spirit lives inside of us. My confidence before God is that I know His Spirit lives inside of me, and that Spirit cries out, Abba, Father. So what does that mean? That means that God is my dad. That means that he loves me just as much, this blow your mind, loves me just as much as he loves Jesus. Scripture tells me I am a co-heir, not a partial heir, not a sub-heir. I am a co-heir with Christ. That means Christ and I are sharing the same thing. So my spirit, what's my confidence before the Father? What's my confidence before the world? The very spirit of God lives inside of me and cries out to him. That is my very confidence. Nothing a man taught me, nothing a woman taught me, nothing I learned in Bible college is my confidence. We cannot boast in anything. Do you understand? Nothing you do, you can boast about. Anything good you do, boast in Christ. I don't boast in myself because I know who I used to be before the Holy Spirit entered this body. I knew what I used to be and I knew what I used to be involved in, but it's only through the Holy Spirit was I set free. So I don't boast in myself, I boast in Christ. So verse four is not, Me finding confidence in myself. No, it's through the Holy Spirit that I have confidence before the Father. My goodness. Look at verse 6. He has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now, a lot of people, I've read this passage with a lot of people in Bible studies, they say, Pastor Josiah, I'm not qualified to be a minister. I didn't go to Bible college. That's hogwash. No person gives you a diploma and says, now you're a minister of the new covenant. No, the Holy Spirit is the one who commissions ministers. The Holy Spirit is the one that sends us out. The Holy Spirit is the one that births this in our heart. All of you, if you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you are a minister of the new covenant. You may not realize it yet. You may not have revelation of what that means yet, but you are a minister of the new covenant. So what does that tell me? Boy, you better take that to your families. My goodness, a lot of you come to me about lost loved ones. Guess what? I may never even meet your loved ones, but you know them. Be the light to them. Take this ministry of life. Listen, one thing I've noticed by religious people is that we put stumbling blocks in front of our family to get to Jesus. 
I want you to come to Jesus, but jump through this hoop, now jump over this ladder, now run through here and slide through this tunnel. Okay, now you can get to Jesus. No, no, stop putting up stumbling blocks. You are carrying the ministry, not of the letter. What is that? Not religion. Religion leads to death because religion tells you you have to earn it. No, take this ministry of the spirit and life. Please just, please ponder on that throughout this week, that you are the minister to your family, taking the ministry of the spirit and life to them. Show them, live it. One of my favorite uh, quotes is this, talk less, live more. We tend to run our mouths so much, we don't even know what we're saying anymore. But people are looking more at what you do, not what you say. People do not care what you know until they know that you care. Talk less, live more, show your family Jesus. You are a minister of this. You take this to them. Do we understand? It's not American society tells us it's the pastor's job to save the world. I'm telling you all right now, I am a weak man. If it wasn't for Jesus, I would not be here. I can't save anybody. And I'm not going to meet the majority of your families. I don't get to go to Christmas and celebrate Christmas with your family. I don't celebrate Thanksgiving with you guys. I don't go to birthday parties with your family. You are the ones they trust. You are the one that the Holy Spirit has entrusted to take this ministry to them. Not of the letter which leads to death. Stop putting up stumbling blocks. Show them Jesus. You can never scare anyone into following Jesus. But you can love people into loving Jesus. I saw this article the other day. This is real because Facebook puts out a lot of fake stuff. This man who used to be one of the leaders of the Satanist church has recently given his heart to Jesus. Why? Because a woman, this random woman showed him the love of Christ for the first time in his life. This man had heard the Bible countless times, had studied the Bible himself, and decided to follow Satan. But through one woman's actions of love, she hugged him. This is the first hug he had in his whole life. He came from a, a home of abuse. He was beaten every day of his life. And then this woman hugs him, shows him the love of Christ, and says, I'm praying for you. After he just got done bashing Christianity, she says, I love you, and I'm praying for you. And this man turned his whole life around, gave his heart to Christ, because for the first time, it wasn't through a word, it was through an action. Talk less, live more. People don't need you to hear you talk about Jesus. They need to see you walking, talking, living, acting like Jesus. That's why we talked about in worship, full surrender. You can't give Jesus part of your life and keep the other part to yourself. This is about full surrender. Let's look at verses 7 through 11. Glory of the new is greater than the glory of the old. Now, if the ministry that brought death chiseled in letters on stones came with glory so that the Israelites were not able to gaze steadily at Moses' face because of its glory, which was set aside, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry that brought condemnation had glory, the ministry that brings righteousness overflows with even more glory. In fact, what had been glorious is not glorious now by comparison because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was set aside was glorious, what endures will be even more glorious. The church is currently stuck in past glory. We, I'm telling you, we are stuck in past glory. So I hear so many Christians, oh, well, the Brownsville revival. Oh, this revival, things that happened 80, 100 years ago. Well, look back here. Look back here when the Holy Spirit is calling us into something now. I feel like so many Christians have just given up on the world and we have an escapist mentality. Oh, Jesus is going to come save me. I don't got to witness anything bad. Oh, Jesus, come save me. No, the fact of the matter is Jesus is not coming back until every ear has heard the gospel. 
And so the fact of the matter is, instead of the church being who we were meant to be, living in the present age of glory, why? Because Scripture just told us that the ministry of the Spirit is far more glorious than the ministry of the letter. So think about this. Those things we, we love to read about in the Old Testament, about Moses on the mountain and the pillar of fire, guess what it tells us? The ministry of the Holy Spirit is far more glorious than that. But how many of us live reading, oh, I wish I could see that? No, the Holy Spirit wants to show you glory now. I'm about to get fired up. Lord Jesus, help me. Present glory is here now. The glory of the new far surpasses the glory of the old man. If we as believers could start to understand, my gosh, that, the Bible is, is, it didn't end it didn't end in the last book. It just continues on. We're living in the New Testament church right now. You know those things we read in the book of Acts? There's no reason we cannot experience them right now. The Bible was not shut and closed and say, okay, hold on, wait till revelation happens, and then you'll be the church. No, it never stopped. But mm, so many believers in America live in defeat, live in bondage for no reason. You don't have to. This is not a partial gospel saying Jesus kind of freed you, now you do the work. No, Scripture tells us that Christ set us free. It is for freedom's sake you have been set free. Don't return to a yoke of bondage. The old, <laughs> I love this, the old is not even glorious compared to the new. Think about that. Think about all the things you read in the Old Testament, everything you saw. It says the old in comparison to the new doesn't even hold glory. Please think about this. Think, please think about how often we look to the past and get stuck in the past. Please let's look to now. Church, we were meant for now. The church is not stuck in times gone past. The church was meant to be effective right now, every single day. I'm not saying you even got to go to a street corner with a microphone screaming Jesus. No, I'm saying live like Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit do his work inside of you. You know you struggle with bitterness and offense. Guess what you need the Holy Spirit to do? Destroy your bitterness and offense. Stop clinging to things he never meant for you to hold on to. And so the question is, how bad do we truly want to be free? Or are we so used to living as slaves, we're stuck there? You want an Old Testament example? The Israelites followed Moses out of Egypt. Guess what happened when it got hard? Moses, let us go back into slavery. At least we had fish there. These people were so used to bondage, so used to slavery, that they were willing to leave the hard path of freedom and go back to the life they once knew. Many Christians do that today. We haven't been taught how to walk in this path of freedom, so we get scared. And when we get scared, we go to things that we used to know. Christians, please, I'm trying to encourage you, don't go back to the old covenant. I don't want to see you stuck in bondage anymore. Yeah, you may not have fish out here, but he's leading you to a better way. Your descendants will be free. We want to talk about household salvations. Live like Jesus. You want your descendants to be free. It's not in religion that they find freedom. It's in Jesus. How do they see Jesus? They first see you. God poured out his spirit. If that's not glorious, I don't know what is. For a people who couldn't even enter the presence of God, now for us to now hold his presence inside of us. Yes, that is far more glorious than any pillar of fire. I can't get close to the pillar of fire, but I can get close to my God. The pillar of fire won't forgive me, but my God will forgive me. The pillar of fire is not going to give me mercy and grace, but God will give me mercy and grace. How is that not far more glorious than the pillar of fire? 
I don't want the letter. I don't want the letter. I don't want what this passage says. I don't want the letter. The letter leads to religion, and religion leads to death. I want the Spirit. The Spirit leads to union with Christ and freedom in Christ Jesus and life. I wasted too many years living with a dead spirit inside of me, following the ways of the flesh. I don't want to waste any more time. And I don't want to waste any more time living outside of the purpose that God created us for. We were put here for a purpose, such a purpose and time as this, that God wants to impact this region, impact this community, where this becomes a church that represents the world, not just white and black, but every ethnicity for us to reach the nations. That is why we were put here, Crossroads World Outreach Center. I'm tired of us living to everything except our purpose. I can't live that. I wasted too much time not following the Spirit of God. I wasted too much time following my flesh in the ways of Josiah Hodge, which are terrible ways, by the way, because his ways are always greater. His plans are always better than our plans, and this is the plan he has for this church. But first, we must understand. Not here. We must understand here. Glory, glory, glory. Far greater glory in the Spirit of God inside of us. There's no more glory in the law. The law leads to death. But there's glory in the Spirit of God living inside of us. Man, some days I find myself just praising God because how much he has changed me. Listen, this is a guy who struggled with anger my entire life. I even went to anger management for a season, and they helped me maintain, hold the habits, but Christ is fully taking it away. There are a lot of things behavior modification can help us, and the church preaches behavior modification, not transformation. The church teaches us how to subdue and cage the beast, but Christ wants to kill the beast. There's a difference. There's a difference. I'm not telling you you have to live in partial freedom. I'm not even going to tell you you have to struggle with the same thing your whole life because I believe Christ can free you. I believe that when the revelation comes to your heart that you can truly be free, that, the, listen, some of you are not enslaved to sex or drugs. Some of you are enslaved to money. You cannot serve mammon and God. You can only serve one. So the fact of the matter is when we think, when we think bondage, we're thinking, right, the nasty stuff, drugs, sex, alcohol. But the fact of the matter is money is a very savage God, and it will rip you to and fro throughout this life, and you would do anything to serve that master. But the fact of the matter is all of it, holistic freedom in Christ Jesus, freedom from yourself, your past desires, your past sins, freedom from the literal past, all sins wiped clean, and freedom in the future, complete freedom, holistic freedom for all time. That is why Christ died. Hebrews 10 tells us that Christ died once and for all. Hebrews 10 tells us this, that they would sacrifice every single day. Did you know priests in the Old Testament were glorified butchers? Blood and fire, blood and fire, blood and fire, slaughter, throw in the fire, slaughter, throw in the fire. Christ sacrificed once and for all. I don't know, I just like I need to say this. A lot of us stuck in this middle ground, we use repentance like they use sacrifices. Did you know repentance is actually a one-time thing? I changed my mindset. It's a 180 turn. Christ Jesus, you are great. You are amazing. Did you know Christ never said you wouldn't fall again? It happens. Sometimes we fall. And you know what he didn't say? He didn't say you need to repent again. You already knew it was wrong. That's why you feel bad about it. Now you thank him for his forgiveness and you keep walking. So many of us have found ourselves every time we sin, oh God, forgive me, forgive me. He already did. Thank him for his forgiveness and live your life. It's the shame and guilt you put on yourself that hold you stuck back in this place. Nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in the New Testament will you see you have to repent every single time you do anything wrong. Change your mind, change your You know what happens when we teach sinners to repent? They get stuck in a cycle like this. 
not receive the love of Jesus Christ. He died for you. He loved you. He came for you. No, we teach you, okay, now Jesus kind of loves you, and now you got to be good enough for him, so just repent every single day of your life. There is freedom in Christ Jesus, a freedom that picks you up, pats you on the back, and says, brother, sister, you got this. And Jesus is closer than a brother. He picks you up. He says, you got this. You failed this time, but guess what? Rely on me. My yoke is easy. Come, attach yourself to me, and I will carry you all the way. Did you know when I tried to carry myself, I fell about a million times a day. But now that I have yoked myself to Jesus Christ in the new covenant, I fall far less. Many of you usually think I'm crazy, but that's because I'm a man who's been set free. When you've been in slavery for years and years and years, being free is almost un- uncontrollable at times. Growing up in church, growing up in religion that was forced upon me a lot of times that I had to do this and I had to do that. I loved Jesus at a young age, but then I was taught to do this and this and this, and I couldn't keep up with the list that they gave me. So then I stopped trying because I was never good enough. I always loved Jesus, always hated religion, and I was just coming up in this way because the fact of the matter is I couldn't do enough to be good enough, and I knew I couldn't, but people kept telling me to do more, and I couldn't even do what I was already being told to do. And so I fell away, and I ran from Christ for a long time because then I associated Christ with rules, not with the love that he gives to us. Can I tell you, showing genuine love to somebody could absolutely change their life. Oh my gosh, not telling them, be better, do better, do this, do better. No, but saying, hey, you messed up, and I see that. Oh gosh, but I love you so much, I'm going to come help you, and I'm going to do what I can to get you back on your feet. Do you see how transformative that is? Instead of throwing guilt and shame and condemnation on people, show them the love of Christ. When was the last time someone wronged you and you said, it's okay? No, no, no. Why? Because the majority of the time someone wrongs us, what do we do? We wrong them. We hold it in our hearts. Oh, I can't trust them anymore. Last time I checked, Ephesians tells us to forgive others as Christ forgave us. Christ was literally forgiving people upon the cross. So if Christ, being crucified and tortured, can forgive those around him, I think I can forgive you for offending me once. This is the transformed life, not rules and rules and regulations, but following Jesus. Verses 12 through 18, unveiled and unafraid. Since then, we have such a hope, we act with great boldness. And that's probably why y'all think I'm crazy, because I have such a hope, I have great boldness. I, I have passion and desire, because this is my hope. My hope is Christ Jesus. Not anything, not anything in this world can give me hope. I've tried to find hope in this world. Good luck, watch the news and try to find some hope. Please, be my guest. It's only in Jesus, only in Jesus can we find true hope. We are not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from gazing steadily until the end of the glory that was being set aside. But their minds were hardened for to this day, it's true, at the reading of the old covenant, the same veil remains. It is not lifted because it is set aside only in Christ. Only Christ can remove the veil because the whole Bible points to Jesus. And if it's not Jesus showing you, well, then you'll never see him in it. It's revelation. Yet still today, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We all, Lord God, I pray that, with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. Verses 14 through 16 tell us this. This is a revelation from the Holy Spirit. Unveiling is only done in Christ Jesus. 
Do you understand? And unveiling is revelation. It's you being deeper revelation of who Jesus is. That is what it is. That is what unveiling is. Unveiling is not a physical thing you can do in your fleshly mind. Because if you try to unveil your mind in the flesh, you will forever be stuck in the flesh. Why? Because the flesh cannot comprehend the things of the spirit. It is beyond us. It transcends us. Only through a revelation of Christ Jesus, through his spirit, can the veil be removed. And I'm sad to say it today, but a lot of Christians in America still have a veil put up today. This is why we mix the old with the new. I had a veil put up for a long time. Jesus was great, but I still had to do stuff to earn his love. Jesus was great, but I still had to do stuff to be forgiven. Do you see the mixture? How many of us have been caught in the mixture? A lot more than you are willing to admit. Okay, all right, I'm the only one. That's fine. Maybe I'm special. I don't know. But the Lord has freed me. Go, praise God. But the fact of the matter is that's how we mix. Yo, how do we mix the old and the new? Why? Because you say you accept the forgiveness, but you're still trying to earn your forgiveness. You say you accept his, his sonship given to you, but then you try to earn it. Do you see the mixture? We're doing things he's already given to us. Stop, mm, stop running yourself ragged. Stop making yourself exhausted of things you never had to do in the first place. Golly, just pick up your Bible. Stop listening to just what everyone tells you all the time about Jesus. Read your Bible. See the freedom in Jesus. Jesus never even put rules on his disciples. When all the other disciples were fasting, John's disciples were fasting. The Pharisees' disciples were fasting. Jesus' disciples were partying. Oh, my. Thank you. Miss Wanda, thank you. Golly. At least someone's excited. Y'all, this is the New Testament. Mm. If, Holy Spirit, give us revelation. Verse 18, the Holy Spirit wants, to, <laughs> wants all of us to receive deeper, more beautiful, more powerful revelations of his spirit inside of us. The spirit wants to transform us day by day to the point we look just like Jesus. You can't truly show anyone Jesus unless you first look like him. For, oh my gosh, for so long trying to follow Jesus in my flesh, I looked in the mirror and all I saw was myself. Hey, I'm good looking, don't get, I'm just playing. But I looked in the mirror and all I saw was Josiah Hodge. But every day I wake up, I look in the mirror and I see Jesus. I don't even see me anymore because when I saw me, I saw hatred. I saw insecurities. I saw depression. My gosh, did I have depression. I saw anxiety to the max. That's what I saw when I looked in the mirror. Whew. When I look in the mirror, I see love. I see peace, I see joy, I see happiness for the first time in my life, true happiness, not trying to earn, just being a son and knowing it's good enough just to be. Day by day, this is the work of the Spirit of God in your life. It's not for you, it's not just for you to be prosperous, it's not just for you to be happy, it's to make you look like Jesus, because you may be the only Jesus people see. But the fact of the matter is, majority of Christians look nothing like Jesus. Therefore, the world has never even seen him. I used to work in the secular world for a long time. I've only been a pastor for one year. And I saw how majority of Christians acted around secular people. Definitely didn't look like Jesus to me. Did you know, majority of the time, I was the only person they said, Josiah, you're the only Christian I've ever seen act any different. So don't get it twisted. I ain't been in the church my whole life. I ran for a long time. I was in the secular world for a long time. So I know what it's like to be around Christians who claim Christ but live like the old man. 
my old man died a long time ago. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And when we, that's not just a Bible verse. When you get that in you, when you understand that, that the Holy Spirit is inside of you, transforming you, it says day by day. If you are not being transformed, if you look the same way now you did 10 years ago, you might want to get in your prayer closet with the Holy Spirit and let him do some work on you. Because scripture tells us day by day, we are being made to look more like Jesus. Not for yourself, but for your family, for your friends, for your coworker. Why? Because we have a dying world that needs to see Jesus. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in us, sanctification, to make us look more like Jesus. Who in here wants to look more like Jesus? Who in here is tired of struggling with things you don't got to struggle with? Living in depression when you can have joy. Running around freaking out, stressed all the time when you can have patience and peace. Golly, if you're that person, I just want you to come up to the altar. I just want to pray for you, man. Seriously, if you, if you want to receive, come. I'm, I'm not doing the typical pastor ending. I don't care. If y'all are struggling with some things and you're praying, Holy Spirit, I need deeper revelation, come up to this altar. We can be prideful or we can be humble. It's up to you. But if you want to be set free and you're tired of struggling, man, just come up here and pray for deeper revelation. There's no need for you to struggle. You don't have to struggle anymore. Jesus died for you to be free. You know what God honors? God honors humility. When we come before him and say, God, I don't got all the answers. God, I'm struggling. I want to look like your son, but I don't look like your son. I want to walk in your Holy Spirit, but I, I don't even know how to hear his voice anymore. He's been distant for so long. If you're that person, just come forward. And day by day, conforming to the image of Christ, becoming more like the one who loved your soul and died for you, to show that light to the world, to be a light bearer, the gospel, to radiate hope, joy, peace, grace, and mercy to a broken, hurting world. <laughs> if you're up here for prayer, would you please just raise your hands to heaven and be ready to receive. And just start praying. Start praying. Holy Spirit, give me deeper revelation. Just start praying.